Hey there, and welcome to Twist Out Cancer's Midwest Region Spotlights. I'm Lindsay, and today I'll be chatting with Chris Geyer and his inspiration, Brittany Long. We'll talk about their involvement with Twist Out Cancer, how they became participants in the Brushes with Cancer program, how their connection unfolded and developed, and what they continue carrying with them from their experience together. I'm Chris Geyer from Wisconsin, and I primarily paint, uh, mostly in oil paint, some drawing medium mixed in as well. But yeah, for the most part, just oil painting. Uh, my name is Brittany, and I had um, triple negative breast cancer. Oh, what does that actually mean? So that means that there were there's um, three types of hormones that you can usually be. It's either um, estrogen, progesterone, or triple positive, or HER2, I'm sorry, HER2. So you can be either one of those hormones or none of them. So I was none of them. Okay, wow. Question that I ask, because it seems to be different for everyone. What was going through your mind when you first got your diagnosis? Disbelief, shock. Um, I was breastfeeding at the time and everyone had told me that it was just related to that. And I I thought that's what they were going to tell me, that it was, you know, something related to that. And it was not. So I always equate it to like that Charlie Brown teacher. Like when she talks, it was like, wah, 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 wah. Like once they said you had cancer, I didn't hear anything else. Wow. That's, that has, was this your first child? Yeah. First and only. Yep. First and only. Okay. That adds a whole nother layer because I imagine you're already hormonal and emotional. So what did you do after you were told? I don't even know where you were. Where were you when you were told? This was pre-COVID, so I was in person. So, you know, you just call a couple people and tell them and go home. And there was a lot of crying, a lot of crying that day. And I had to stop breastfeeding. So it was just a lot of crying. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine. Okay. Well, when you were going through your cancer journey, who were the people that were the most important, the most impactful people to you? My in-laws really stepped up and were there whenever we needed them. No questions asked. Just, we needed kid care. We needed someone there to take care of the kid. They were there every time. And of course, my parents, I have a dad and a stepmom, and they were there too, and a couple friends. So I, I have an amazing support system. I'm very, very blessed. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay. Now I want to know how you found out about brushes with cancer. So I actually mentored someone through breast cancer locally here, and she danced her way through all of her treatments, and that actually got onto national news. And because of that, Jenna saw her and contacted her, and her name was Raina Williams. So she just did the last section, the last session. So she told me about it, and here we are. Wow. So you had a, a close personal, you mentored her through her cancer treatments and she's mentoring you through this Brushes with Cancer program. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. It has been a really surreal experience. Well, Chris, I am very excited to know how you found out about Brushes with Cancer. <clears throat> yeah, so I actually found out my wife works in autism services and through her job, she's a co-founder of like a creative studio 
uh, in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin called the Treffert Studios, kind of integrating autism therapy with creative projects like film, art, anything creative, really. Um, so in the development of that center there, I believe she consulted with Jenna regarding, I think it was digital gallery spaces because of brushes with cancers. I think they've explored that avenue in the past, but so my wife and Jenna touch base and yeah, Tara, my wife kind of found out about the program brushes with cancer through that consultation. And she, I guess, immediately thought of me and thought this would be a really great thing for me to apply to. Um, and see if I could be a successful match for somebody. I've been a practicing artist ever since I was, you know, can form memories. So this is a pretty unique way to give back through art, I think, because most of the time art is a pretty self-involved process. So I was interested right away and applied, I think, that very same night. And uh, yeah, it's been great ever since. Wow. And so how many times have you and Brittany been able to talk? Probably four or five times over the phone and then like some text messages here or there. I mean, Brittany's super easy to talk to and very open and honest and forthcoming with any question I've ever had. So yeah, I mean, it's, I don't really think I could have gotten paired with anybody better than Brittany. It's been, it's, she's made my job as an artist in this process so much easier. Wow. And Brittany, what has it been like for you to share your story with someone who is not only kind of a stranger who doesn't know you before or outside of this context, but who's looking to create something based on your story? Honestly, I have no expectations for this. I just kind of was like, this seems like a really cool process and I'm all about art, uh, creating just in general. So this process has been amazing. It's, it's seriously blown my mind how cool it is. And I really don't think they could have paired me with someone better. I agree with everything Chris said. Like, he's super easy to talk to. And just he re he literally read a year's worth of my Caring Bridge entries. Like, that's some serious dedication. And I don't have anything but great things to say about this whole process. Yeah, that was another thing from my side that was super helpful. I mean, not only was she very detailed in her, you know, anecdotes over the phone, but allowing me to read all those really personal journal entries over her cancer journey through CaringBridge was, I mean, a humongous help on my end as well. Brittany, I can only imagine that when you are writing those journal entries, it's very raw. And have you even looked back at those entries before? I have not. The job I had at the time was uh, I was a massage therapist in a, in my hometown, a small town, and I everybody wanted to know what's going on. And so for me, it was just a really easy way to keep contact down. If I just kept everyone updated, people didn't bother me. So it, I just, I never thought anyone would go back and look at them. And I have absolutely not gone back to read any of them again. <laughs> so... <laughs> So this was more like an online journal for your friends? Friends, family, I mean, literally anyone. I had clients, you know, massage clients that were curious. And so this was just a way for me to keep everyone updated at the same time. Wow. Okay, so Chris, having read these, what is what comes out in those entries that Brittany's kind of doing for herself, but also kind of in a selfless way to get information out to those who care about her. Yeah, there was a couple things that 
I'd say I learned through those journal entries that I didn't quite uh, grasp the full gravity of like over our phone conversations. Number one would be like, I mean, this sounds so generic, but just how strong Brittany was through her journey. Like one example is she participated in a 5k while she was going through treatment. That was, I just like was really blown away when I read that entry. I mean, it was just a true testament to her strength as an individual. Um, Also, it really uh, drove home, like she says in there a lot, how she has a village of support and it, you know, reading those journal entries and reading about uh, contributions from members of her community and her old boss really made that apparent. Oh, it was also really informative in like, uh, like the process of chemo that I hadn't really fully understood before. I've been pretty fortunate to not have anybody extremely close to me go through cancer treatment. Um, I have had a couple of cousins who've passed away from cancer, sadly, but I wasn't as, I guess, involved in their journey, so to speak. So reading about the medicines used and the effect on the body that that has and the side effects, just a really intimate window into that whole process that I was unaware of. So, I mean, that material that Brittany offered up for me to read was just really just a super big help on my end. You know, I agree with you about how elusive sort of a chemo treatment is to all of us. We've all we've all known one person, at least, that has gone through it, that has a loved one that has gone through it. And we've seen it in movies and TV shows. But what is it that you really got like a clearer understanding of? You said the medicines. What what do you mean by that? So there was one. um, I can't remember the the scientific name of it but i believe she called it the red devil i don't know if that sounds familiar yes yep okay yep. what was that medicine called cuz i can't recall um that one's called adriamycin okay so that was one when i was reading through the entries um we later touched base over the phone and i inquired more about that because it sounded so just i mean it's kind of surprising you know you hear about people going through chemo your whole life and like you said you're relatively familiar but then you hear about these drugs and medicines that are so damaging to the body, but necessary to the process. And it was, uh, yeah, just kind of surprising to me. That was one that sticks out for sure. And Brittany, can you tell me why you nicknamed it the Red Devil? Or is that your nickname? Or is that a common nickname? (laughs) It earned its name. (laughs) (laughs) It is, um, that's the medicine that makes you sick and bald, but also kills the cancer. You really have to get it in your head that it's going to make you sick, but it's saving your life. Yeah. Wow. It's um, So it's actually a red liquid that the nurses and doctors can't touch. It is corrosive to the skin. So like they have to put on all kinds of PPE to give this to you in a syringe that's literally like connected to your heart. Wow. I've never heard anyone describe it like that. You know, people just say, I went for my chemo treatment and then they are not in their treatment when they tell you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like not, not all the medicine is like that, but that one specifically is, I mean, like it is really a mind trip to watch someone like glove up with like special equipment. And then be like, we're, we're going to put this like right into your bloodstream. You're like, okay. (laughs) If you say so. (laughs) Yeah. That's wild. Okay. I'm also wondering what was your 
husband and your what were your child what what was going through your mind as you were changing your relationship to your body and going through your cancer journey but also having to reimagine your relationship to your child and your husband I don't want to say I was I guess I was lucky in the fact that my daughter was only one so she doesn't remember any of it um it's just now getting to the point where she's looking at pictures and noticing that I don't have hair and is slowly starting to ask some questions. But I'm pretty honest about all that. I obviously am going to be honest. It was actually, it's really hard to watch husbands because they want to fix everything and they cannot fix this for you. And we ha- it took some work, but we're at a much better place than we were before. So, you know, blessing in disguise. Yeah. Well, okay, Chris, when you are looking towards making the peace, what parts of Brittany's story stand out to you or speak to you the deepest? I was struck by that contrast of really needing seemingly lethal corrosive medicines to kind of preserve like Brittany was just going through being a new mother and like how beautiful of a process that is and how to I guess guarantee or not guarantee but should give you the best chance of continuing that opportunity is to go through this really rough treatment so that was something that really struck me I thought there was a powerful contrast there. Yeah. And then also it was really struck by just Brittany's seeming grace and uh, strength to go through that process and remain positive. And yeah, I don't know. I just like those journal entries and speaking to her over the phone really seemed to translate just how strong she was through this process. So those were the things that I was most struck by, I would say. Yeah. And it's, funny to me, Brittany, that you are very uh, resistant to knowing anything about what Chris is making until you get to see it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me a little bit about how you are approaching the the piece and and why you want to save that until your final reveal. It just seems like the right thing to do. I'm when I was pregnant, we actually didn't find out what we were going to have. So I'm in it for the long game. Like, it's fine. I'll wait. Like, I I don't want, like, an expectation and then, like, me to be disheartened. I, I Not that I think that would happen. But if I don't have an expectation, it's going to be awesome no matter what it is. So I love that. You want to enjoy moment to moment and, and wait for the surprise. That's brilliant. I fully support that. It also it shows a level of patience that I don't think we we are as a society capable of that often. <laughs> I'm surprised when I tell people that I waited and they're like, oh, I can't. And I'm like, I mean, you don't get a choice in this, you know, right? Like, you get what you get. <laughs> That's very cool. That's very funny. Well, you were saying something that you said earlier really stuck out to me, Brittany, when you said that it it's hard to watch husbands because they want to fix it. So what advice would you give to 
to someone who is partnered and in the middle of their journey with cancer? What could they say to their partners to help them? I don't know that there's anything anyone can say, but being there and just supporting them means the world. Just just to know that they're there and, you know, I need a glass of water or I need this or I need that. And they have got that stuff for you. That that was, I thought it seems silly, but I mean, some days you don't even have the strength to like get up to go to the bathroom. So getting a glass of water is just not possible. So just being there. That's great advice <laughs> for most things, but especially when someone is living with cancer, I'm sure. Well, it's been so fun talking with you. I would want to know, is there anything else that you want to share that maybe surprised you during your journey with cancer that, you know, most people wouldn't even think about? There's good that in cancer, I've met people that I wouldn't have met. I've gotten to do things that I wouldn't have done. And yeah, don't get me wrong. It was awful and it was terrible and there was some really bad things, but dang it, there are some good things too. And I choose to pick, I choose to pick those. I choose to focus on those and just find the good in it. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Okay. Chris, I want to know, why do you think that this experience is important for an artist as well? Yeah, as I said earlier, I think that art can be a very self-involved, solitary, not very collaborative process. I think that the Brushes with Cancer uh, project really allows an artist an opportunity to feel like you're making a contribution to uh, someone's life. It's just the opportunity to give back that I think you're not really often afforded as an artist. And yeah, it's been, I mean, even though we haven't done a reveal yet or anything, but it's been a really rewarding process. I mean, hearing Brittany's story had a pretty profound impact on me um, right from our first conversation and how I, you know, my relationship with time and people around me. I think it was, yeah, it was just kind of shaking at first, like in a good way. So I would highly recommend anybody uh, apply to be a participant in this as an artist. Um, it's, yeah, it's a really, really unique opportunity and very re rewarding. You said your relationship with time and the people around you, you mean specifically the way you spend time with those around you? Yeah, just being, trying to be more mindful, more conscious of what the stresses are in your life and how much weight it should really hold, like being stressed out with your job, et cetera, uh, when, you know, you're surrounded by your family in that moment and just maybe shifting your focus on the good that's around you in the moment instead of stressing about your job that's, you know, going to be there tomorrow. So <laughs> that's great. Well, Brittany, the last question is for you. Someone who's listening to this who might be in the middle of their cancer journey and, you know, trying to figure out a lot of things, what advice would you give to that person? Take it day by day. Focus on what is right in front of you that day. And then the next day, worry about that day. And there's going to be bad days. It's guaranteed. Just have a bad day. Don't try to fix the bad day. Go to bed and hope tomorrow will be a better day. You're allowed bad days and don't let anyone tell you differently. And just keep trudging along. The end will come. It might not ever seem like it, but the light gets brighter. Just keep going. 
just keep going.